I want you to take your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want to talk about this secret weapon that every mom has. All right, I'll be honest. It's a secret weapon that every person in this room has. When I was a kid, I had an experience that literally changed my life. It was so impactful. Uh, My mom uh, was going to the store. And when we were young, we couldn't be trusted at home. We would get into something every single time. So it wasn't until we were older teens that my mom could actually leave us. And so we were, um, we were all jumping into the big family van. I, I grew up with, uh, there was five of us kids, big family. We had a great time growing up. And we were going to Walmart. So we park in the Walmart parking lot, okay, in Alabama, right? So what I'm about to say probably doesn't happen everywhere, but it happens in Alabama. So I get out of the car, and there's a huge crowd of people gathered in the parking lot, near the entrance of, uh, of Walmart. And, and I'm, we're walking up to the door, and I'm so intrigued. What in the world is going on? And then Eye of the Tiger began to play loudly over these speakers. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, what in the world? And all these guys in karate uniforms began to run out from the sides and they're all they're all running out to the sides and they come there and they all line up and they're standing there with all their black belts and all the other color belts and they're standing there and the instructor walks out in front of everybody and he says we are Clarity's Karate Studio we are here to train warriors and and everybody's yes sensei and everybody's chanting this and I am just standing there like this is awesome now let me tell you I had a dream as a kid to grow up to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. So don't make fun of me for this. Does everybody know what that is? Okay, I was like, all right. Chuck Norris, Karate Kid. I mean, that was my childhood, okay? I mean, that, I, I grew up around that stuff. And, and they began to do a demonstration to advertise their karate studio. And one by one, they began to break boards and do flying sidekicks and take people down on these mats and all this other stuff. By the end of it, I didn't care what it took. I was first in line. I wanted to be signed up for this. They had a package deal for $20. $20, you got a uniform, a white belt, and four weeks of classes throughout the next month. Now you say, that's not a big deal. Let me tell you, for the next five, six years of my life, I stayed in karate. That one day of walking into that place to, to just buy whatever at Walmart... And I stopped, and I was so influenced, so impacted by what I saw. Now, the thing is, I've been around karate. We passed the karate studio. I knew where they were. I I passed the flyers. I've seen the movies, whatever. But my mind, I've never been in the influence. I've never been that close to it to see what they did in the movies and everything right in front of me. And it impacted me so much that it literally changed the direction of my life. And the Bible talks about how our eyes affect our hearts. What I'm talking about is the secret weapon that every mom has is influence. The secret weapon that every parent has, every grandparent has, is influence. I don't know, some of you are thinking, Pastor Tony, I'm not that person of influence. I'm just not that person. Because I think sometimes we get the idea of we see the people on the stage We see the people that are more outgoing and thinking, man, now that is a person of influence. So let's just do a survey. Audience participation, you guys ready? How many of you guys have ever heard of somebody in the Bible that was a person of influence whose name was David, King David? Raise your hand. How about Moses? 
How about Queen Esther? How about the great warrior for Jesus Christ named Eunice? Oh, we got a couple of hands. How about the great warrior for Jesus Christ named Lois? And some of you are thinking, he's just making stuff up now. It's been a way too long. It's like, so let me show you in the, in this, in the Bible right here, we're getting to Timothy, about this incredible young man that literally did incredible things for the glory of God. And it's, it's amazing how when we think about people that are these leaders that make a difference, and then you get into the Bible and you're like, I want to be David for God. And yet some of the people that had some of the biggest impacts for the glory of God were people that they never made a cartoon about. He's, they're, they're never on the front of an action uh, thing for kids or a storybook for kids. They never made that as Lois and Eunice. Their title was not preacher, author, prophet, evangelist. It wasn't any of those things. Can I give you their titles? You ready for this? It was mom and grandma. Let me, let me share with you in the Bible. It says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I have served from the forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Can, can we just pause for a minute and say how, how, how powerful this is of Paul talking to Timothy? Think about in a world that he's thinking, who's going to be the next preachers? Who's going to be the next leaders? Who's going to take my place? And one day he meets this boy named Timothy that just was sold out for God. Had a passion and a genuine, sincere, authentic faith in God. And, and, and Paul is literally, as he's writing this, the Bible describes him as weeping. Saying, I have found something in you that is so powerful. So real. So authentic. He said, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of my tears, of thy tears, that I might be filled with joy. See, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Now, the New Testament is filled with the impact of Timothy. Acts, Corinthians, the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, Philemon, Hebrews, all mentions this young man. And he's not the Elijah of the Bible. He was somebody that got raised. And we don't know all the history of what happened to his, his dad and all those other things. Uh, but there's a lot of speculations and things like that that have happened. But he traveled with Paul. They were behind building churches. They were behind people being saved. Church plants, evangelists, and out outreaches. In the book of Acts, he talked about how I sent you young Timothy, this warrior for God, to stand up and preach the truth. And behind this young man was a proud mom and grandmother that had the spiritual influence to, to drastically change his life. You say, where did this influence come from? It wasn't, wasn't Paul. Paul says in verse 6 of this passage down in there, he talks about, I just stirred up the gift that was in you. Because let me tell you, the, the, the church can never do what the home is meant to do. 
You say the church is the, fa- is the, the family's coming together. But I think sometimes we, we have this mindset when it comes to raising our kids that the church should do for our kids what the school does with math. I drop you off, you should learn math. I bring you to class, you should learn about Jesus. But that's not how the Bible created families to be. It's not how God created uh, children to be raised. He, he said in verse 5, he said, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. It does not just say thy faith. It says the unfeigned faith. That, that word right there literally means that it's genuine. There's no hypocrisy. It, it doesn't flip-flop. It doesn't, like, I, I'm this way when I go to youth group, and I'm another way when I hang out with my friends on Friday. He said it is so ingrained and genuine in your life. Isn't that the prayer of all of us as parents? I mean, let's just be real. Just get down to it. If I, if, I, if I want one thing, if I could step back and say one thing that I want in my kid's life, I want them to have genuine faith in God. Man, it's really quiet in here. Does anybody else agree with that? Any Christian moms and dads that say if there's one thing, I want my kids to know God. And I don't want the hypocritical, I go to church because my mom and dad drags me to church. I want them to go to church because they love God and they want to be here. I I, want to see my kids taking steps of faith and seeking God and opening their Bible and sharing their faith because it's in their heart. Not just because they were raised in a building called the church. And I'm not downplaying the church whatsoever. It is powerful. The church is not a building. The church is a living body of Jesus Christ coming together. But I'm telling you, the church is made up of the homes coming here first. It must be started. It must start in the home. It must start in our lives. It's genuine, sincere faith. To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy might. But let me show you this. You talk about the secret weapon. I'm going to show you this. In verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Now listen to this. Which, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. It's, it started with mom and grandmother. And I think it probably was like a chain reaction. It started with grandma who chained mom, and mom was changing or, 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 or influencing Timothy. It was this change, uh, chain reaction that is happening in this. And I think sometimes we have the modern mindset that we're going to drastically change our kids by dropping them off church. And, and, and I know I keep saying this, but let me put it like this. The three hours that they get here at church is to reinforce what they do and hear from the seven days a week that they get from home. That's the difference. But I think sometimes when we use the phrasing of saying, you shouldn't be doing that, I brought you to church, we're putting all the emphasis on bringing them here where the place is to reinforce what they should have been learning at home. So this secret weapon that I'm talking about is the power of influence. But let's talk about the power of influence. How do do you have life-changing influence over others? And I'm not just talking about moms here. I'm talking about dads. talking about grandparents. I'm talking about teenagers that you have younger brothers and sisters. I'm talking about anybody. Because when the Bible says, let your light so shine before men, you know what the light is? It's your influence. It's your testimony. It is living out through the characteristics and the, the, and the fruits of the Spirit coming out of your life to impact the people around you. 
So how do you have life-changing influence? Number one, just simply live out genuine faith. And I, and I say it to that directly, combining that with Scripture, because of, uh, of how it is worded. It's, it's, it's not just about how you raise your life or raise your kids. It's about how you live your faith in front of them. To, to say to your kids, I raised you better than that. It should be that you lived out the gospel in front of them. It's not just what you show them. It's not just what you tell them. It's not just the place you bring them. It's the example that you set before them. And I've thought about this. If it's about influence, and the Bible talks about this influence, and in that passage, he said how it dwelt first in your mother. And that the word dwelt in that passage literally is describing that it wasn't just, it wasn't just part of their life. It was their whole life. The word dwelt literally means to take up residence. His mom and grandmother literally in every aspect of every day of their life just lived out Jesus Christ. It was every aspect of their life. All around them, all the time. So I thought about this. If our life is about influence and, 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 and the example that we set before them, can I, just, can I ask you guys this and just think about this for a minute. If they grow up to read their Bibles faithfully every day as much as you do, how faithful will they be when they grow up to read their Bibles? If they're going by what they see, not, not just the fact that they went to a church and the pastor get up and said, you should read your Bible, but they go home and they see mom and dad reading their Bible. If your kids are as faithful to church as you are faithful to church, and, and I know in our minds, we're, we're thinking, I want them to grow up to serve God. I want them to be dedicated for God. I want them to be all in. Okay, that's great. But if they grow up to be as faithful to church as you are training them to be faithful to church today, how faithful will they be when they grow up? If they serve God the way that you serve God, how passionately will they be serving God? Or they just grow up with a bunch of excuses of, well, I was really busy. You know what they're going to learn to do? Is they're going to learn to be really busy. When the Bible says train up a child the way they should go, it's literally every aspect of our life we're teaching them this. He said this intentionally, that dwelt, it took up residence, it dwelt first in that grandmother. It, it, it was part of their life. And let me say it was not hypocritical. I, I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. It's not hypocritical. And let me just be honest, if I'm being transparent, I was a youth pastor for years and a lot of the teens that I had are, are, are parents and things now. But one of the hardest things that I dealt with as a youth pastor was the teens that would tell me, Pastor Tony, I get frustrated with my parents because they are not the same people at home as they are in church. It's hypocritical. What he was saying is he said the unfeigned faith that you saw in your mother and grandmother was they were true to who they were in Jesus Christ all the time. It wasn't a switch that they flipped and turned it off and on. It was genuine. You say, I'm not perfect. Well, join the club. Okay, none of us are perfect. But it's not just about messing up, but it's teaching your kids how to correct and do, turn things around when we do mess up. I mean, it's about mom losing her cool and, and slamming the door and then walking back up to the kids and saying, you know what, mom messed up. I should not have done that. I am sorry. You know what you're doing? You're saying, man, I'm admitting that, that I did wrong. Well, you did do wrong and you should make it right. But you know what? You're teaching them how to make it right when they do wrong. 
If you're not teaching them, how will they know how it's actually practically lived out? This is, this is what we do every, days of our, every day of our lives. It's, it's not just do as I say, it's do as I do. Years ago, I, I remember people that would come to me and, and talk to me about how their kids were doing bad habits. And my, my, my kid is cursing all the time. And it's like, well, and then and I said, well, do you curse in front? I do, but I, I, I'm struggling with that. I'm like, well, you're just teaching them how to do that. You know, there's a word for that. It's hypocritical. And the whole point of what Paul was saying is the faith that is in you is not hypocritical. It's genuine. Not perfect. It's not that I don't mess up, but I make it right. Paul said to Timothy to carry this on. He said, let no man despise thy youth in the same book or the, the uh, first Timothy instead of second Timothy. He said, let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of believers in word in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. So it's never a matter of there's a part of my life that I serve and do right with God. Or when I go to church, I act a different way. Paul was literally telling Timothy, he said, live out what you've already been taught by your grandparents, which literally do it in every aspect of your life. Do you know when the time is to teach your kids? Let me show you this. Deuteronomy 6, 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. And thou shalt love, or thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when you walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know what Paul was telling Timothy? He said, your entire life is a lesson. Literally, from every aspect of getting up to going to bed, uh, by your actions, by your actions. I didn't know this growing up. Let me, let me just testify for a minute. I had no idea. My, my mom and dad never walked in our bedroom and said, get up, kids. Today I'm going to influence your life. It, it was never went like that. But I can, can, I, can I go back and just tell you about my dad did construction. My dad was not that Paul type guy. He was not, he would never take a stage. He'd get nervous in front of people. My dad was not a social person whatsoever. But I remember on Saturdays, my dad did construction and he, he had all the tools and things like that. My dad worked really hard all week. And I remember my dad getting us up on Saturdays and getting all three of us boys to go into the truck and we'd drive to the church and he'd meet the pastor and he'd say, literally, this was, this was our Saturday. He'd say, like, what, what can we do around here? And the pastor would go through and he had a list and he knew my dad was coming. And my dad would then give us the tools and we'd carry things through the church and we'd go up and we'd do maintenance and you think, that didn't matter. It changed my life. You see, I was learning every single day of my life how to serve God. And my dad never took a, a stage and he never stood behind a pulpit. But my dad served God with his life. We had this guy named Brother Ollie. Brother Ollie was this older man that, was, that, that didn't have a ride to church. My dad would pick him up every single day or every single Sunday that we'd have church. And I remember Brother Ollie saying that the water went out in his house and he had a leak. And my, my dad got all of his tools together and he went to his house my dad would not even let us go in this house because it was pretty bad. There was rats that we could see going through the windows as we would pull up to his house. We could see them running around through the, the windowsills and things like that. And rats went into his house, chewed through his pipes to get to the water. My dad would go in there, not bragging about to other people, not a pat on the back, 
My dad was a servant that would go in there and fix that guy's house. And you say, what is the big deal? My dad didn't do it for the glory of man, but for the glory of God. And it had an impact on my life. Changed me. Because I'm watching this. Let me tell you, you can teach the lessons all day long. You can, you, you can tell the theories but when your kids get, in, get into the presence of people that, are, that the Holy Spirit of God is working in their life and they have a prayer walk with God and they step out on faith. My mom was a seamstress. She was a seamstress that had a, a deep burden for kids, a deep burden for the gospel. My mom was so on fire for God. My mom was so passionate for the gospel. But I tell you what, my mom got nervous being in front of people just like my dad. And, and, and so to, to think about what I'm thinking about right now of everything that my mom did, it, it kind of blows my mind. But my mom was just surrendered. We, she wanted to do a puppet ministry for the Wednesday night program that we had at our church. There was no budget in the church. And my mom went to the pastor and said, I know that there's no money for this. If I make it all myself, can I use it? And my pa- the pastor said, absolutely. So my mom began to sew and make puppets. This is puppet ministry from our church growing up. And that dude right there, that stud muffin with all that hair. And that mustache. Can you guys see that mustache? But my mom began to make these puppets. And began to start this puppet ministry. Well, guess who her puppeteers were? You're seeing right here. And my mom would write out scripts and she'd get these Christian songs. And we'd go to the church and my dad would build these stages and things. And we would, we would stand in there and my mom would put them up there. And she would direct us and say, Denny, I, I need the puppet to be higher or whatever. And I had no idea. But from a small child, I was giving out the gospel through the influence of my mom. My mom made hundreds of puppets. This is at us at a conference where my mom is selling the puppets. Now, let me tell you, my parents had no money growing up, okay? I didn't even realize how poor I was growing up until I became an adult. I didn't know it. Nobody told me one day that, dude, you were poor. I mean, we, we had no money. My mom had this burden to take us to this conference that they taught you how to do puppets and taught you how to do ministry and taught you how to reach kids. It was in Wisconsin. We lived in Alabama. My mom, for for weeks, sewed puppets together, and she said, I'm going to pay for the trip by us selling the puppets at the conference, but I want you kids to be part of that conference. Now, I'm telling you, we were not like the Billy Graham crusade or anything like that. I'm telling you, we were just a bunch of rednecks that lived in Alabama at the dead-end road in Somerville, Alabama. We pile into this car, Filled the trunk full of puppets, okay? If we got busted by the cops smuggling something, they, would th- they were just weirdos, okay? Like you know, running from Sesame Street or something. So we were like sprinting across the border with a trunk full of puppets. We go to this conference and we're getting all these classes. But you know what I learned? Not only about ministry, not only did I take the classes, not only did I learn about puppets, but I saw my mom take a drastic step of faith because the only money we had from that trip is the puppets she sold at the conference. I remember sitting behind the counter and you saw the picture of us and we're, we're at these giant conferences doing things like that. My mom would have us demonstrate the puppets and things that we're doing and, and pulling it all together. And I, I had no idea that we, we would gather and sit there. And mom would pray and say, in order for us to have enough gas money, we have to sell X amount of our puppets to be able to get home and pay for all these things. And we're walking by faith in the middle of ministry. Years later, I come to Fellowship Baptist Church. Walk into our church 
to find a puppet ministry. And the guy that did the puppet ministry brought a receipt and said, is there a chance that this is your mom? Fellowship Baptist Church bought puppets 500 miles away from my mom and was doing the puppet ministry at Fellowship Baptist Church. So we, Pastor Dave and I, began to be involved in ministry here. You guys have seen us do these kind of things. How did we, where did that come from? How in the world do kids from Alabama know how to build stages, take care of churches, use tools, and be in front of people to present the gospel because of a mom that said, I don't have a budget, but I know how to sew and began to make puppets. And it changed my life. I'm not saying that I'm here today, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm, I'm, I, I give glory to God for a mom that was a mom of influence over my life. And, and, and you read a passage like this where Lois and Eunice are casually mentioned in the Bible, and you're thinking, no big deal. And Timothy would say, stop! And Paul would say, stop! We would not be here without that mother and grandmother. That was simply, listen, that was not taking stages. That was not doing all these things that we think are grandeur of influence. That was just getting up, walking by faith and obeying God to do what God led them to do. That they had no idea the impact that they were making on future generations. You have a secret weapon that you use every single day of your life, and it is influence. Faith that was lived out. Now, let me show you another part of this. It's, Paul mentions this again. He brings back his childhood again in chapter 3, verse 15. And he said that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which were able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. So he, he pulls it all back to Jesus Christ. He pulls it all back to Jesus Christ. But he says, from a child, listen, from a child, you have known the scriptures. How is that possible? Because Paul, the preacher, Paul, the evangelist, didn't meet Timothy until he was a young man. From grandmother and a mother that made this the priority of their house. You talk about life-changing influence by living out genuine faith. You have life-changing influence by living out spiritual priorities in your life. He said, from a child thou has known the Holy Scriptures. Did you notice that, that, that it's, as it says from a child, the focus was on as he's being brought up. Of, there's a difference. I'm, I'm going to ask you, and, and I'm saying this with just from the heart of a pastor wanting to change the next generation. We have got to stop trying to raise good kids. You got to stop that. And start having a burden to raise godly kids. Amen. There is a drastic difference. I don't want my kids to be raised just staying out of trouble. And we say things, and I, that's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. My kids grow up and they stay out of trouble. Praise Jesus. But I want more for my kids. And if the goal is not more for your kids and it's just corralling them to stay out of trouble, then, then, then we miss their hearts. And in this passage, Paul was talking about the, the priority of the gospel of making this everything. And let me, let me bring you back 
Like I, I had no idea the, the impact of the, the, the preeminence of God where God was saying through my mom and dad that this is everything. They, they never said and walked into my room and said, Tony, this is everything. You better live this way or you're going to... No, they, no, they lived in such a way. My, my, we, we grew up in the state up north. I'm not even going to mention it because some of you get excited about that. And then God saved me and brought me down to Alabama took me out of that bondage land. And I was raised in Alabama. God brought us down there because of the fact is that my dad was needing work and there was work in Alabama, did construction. And I remember moving to Alabama. We moved straight in with my grandparents because my mom and dad had a mission. It wasn't to find work. My dad already found work and my dad with his job could work all over the place because he worked on houses. And every Sunday, my mom and dad would take us to different churches until we found a church that was a gospel-preaching, disciple-making church. And after my mom and dad found a house, they then be, or found a, a church, they then began to look for a house. Now, to be honest, it was so weird. I, I had no idea back then uh, that the fact that my parents were, were teaching us the preeminence of God. And let me show you this in Scripture. And he said, and he is the head of the body of the church who is in the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I'm talking about a genuine faith that was lived out. A genuine faith is not just like I sing songs and play 104.9 in my car. It goes deeper than that. It's the idea that Jesus is the number one thing of everything. Jesus is the number one thing of our week. We start our week in church. Jesus is the number one thing of our finances. We always give to God. Jesus is the number one thing of our talents. We serve God with our talents. And, and let me tell you, we can tell our kids all day long that God belongs in first place. But there's a big difference when you show your kids that God belongs in first place. My parents were taught me this. That church is the, what gets in the way of everything on Sunday rather than everything getting in the way of church. And there's a priority thing there. You see, if I'm going to say that Jesus Christ has the preeminence, and I'm not saying if you miss a Sunday, you're going to burn, or you know, all the, 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 the extremism with that. I am simply saying that if we're going to make Jesus Christ the priority of our life, then Jesus Christ needs to be first in every aspect of our lives. Amen. Church should be the reason that we miss things, not everything else being the reason that we miss church. We've reversed that. And then our kids get older and we're like, I, can't, I don't know why they don't want to go to church because they were trained to put everything in front of church. Say, so you're just beating us up on this. No, I'm tired of Satan winning. I'm tired of having the instructions of what works and then us setting it aside and doing right in our own eyes and wondering why we're losing our kids when we're not doing it the way that God taught us to do it. For God to have the preeminence of our life, for God to be number one in every aspect of our life, for God to be the authority of our lives. He said this, and from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith. From a child, you have known the holy scriptures. 
I remember my mom making such a big deal about us going to a church that had Awana. And I know I'm not preaching Awana right now, but I'm going to preach to you guys right now that there's something about being part of a church that doesn't just entertain your kids, but disciples your kids. When the Bible says, I want, in our lives, we want our kids to grow up and do the right thing. And the Bible says, okay, hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. I'm paraphrasing that, but you guys know what I'm saying. We must teach our kids. No, we must make a priority in their lives to teach them. I remember my mom would, no matter where we were at, we would, we would go in our room before, even if we were traveling. I remember seeing at my grandparents, my mom would sit down with our Awana book. She'd go to our verses, and my mom would say, say it again, Tony. Okay, say it again. You left out a word. Say it again. Say it again. And I remember repeating those words. And the verses that I say today are the verses that I memorized under the influence of my mom when I was a kid. I remember my mom taking time when we were kids, and she would buy these devotionals for kids. They were called Keys for Kids. Does anybody know what that is, Keys for Kids? Okay, there's a couple of them. But they were stories that were really exciting for kids, but at the end of it, it would tie it into Scripture, and it would bring something alive in Scripture. And I, I remember that. I was just like, Tony, you can't even remember who you met last week. I know that. But I remember the Bible lessons that my mom sat on the side of the bed and taught us when we were kids. And it says that it's able to make thee wise into salvation from a child to be able to break down the scripture and not just rely on the teaching of the church and praise God for preaching and praise God for being here. But they need it tomorrow just as much to make it part of their life. Notice this. Verse 14, 2 Timothy 3, 14. But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. Paul was telling them this. Look at how cool this is. Paul is saying, continue now. He said, he said, Timothy, you learned it from your mom and you learned it from grandma, but this is what I want you to do now. I want you to continue now in the things that thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now think about how powerful that verse is. It's not a matter of, I raised you this certain way. He said, I want to continue living this way because of the fact is that you can, uh, you can point back to knowing of whom thou hast learned them. It wasn't a matter if it mattered more that it came from mom or dad. It came from grandma or the pastor or whatever, all those different illustrations, because the word of God is quick and powerful. But it's a matter of Paul was saying that thou hast been assured of them. Of the principles that you've learned in the Bible, you watched it. You grew confidence. Does God hear and answer prayer? I watched my mom step out in faith and lead us into the unknown and provide in ways that only God could. Yes, God can, because I, I, I saw it. Does God bless faithfulness? Yes, I saw it. Does God take care of his own? Yes, I saw it. And I could tell you story after story after story of watching my parents live out the gospel that every single day of my life it was impacting my eyes through my heart that my eyes were affecting my heart to say this is the way this is truth this is life and not because I was just told but because I saw it and Paul finishes up and he says that 
from a child that has known the scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And here's this verse. A verse we use for doctrinal teaching about the word of God, but it's, it's tied in. Listen, it's tied into mom. It's tied into home. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We talk that about the authority of the pulpit in the church, but he says, from a child thou hast known that the word of God is profitable. It will change your life. It will change your heart. It is profitable for, for doctrine, for reproof. It will get you back on the right track. And when the Bible mentions that verse right there, it mentions it tied in to mom teaching his, her child the word and the authority of God. And then he finishes with this verse. Listen to this. That the man of God might be perfect, which literally means completed, thoroughly furnished into all good works. He literally says this at the end of this. He, the word perfect literally means ready, accomplished, completed. One day, my and kids are going to one by one walk out of my house. Just like I did. When I drove out of the driveway to head down to my Bible college to start what God had for me. And my mom with tear-filled eyes as I drove out of that driveway, and she talks about this all the time, sent me out knowing she did the work. She set the example. I'm not saying that my mom was perfect. My mom tells me all the time. She, she, she breaks down sometimes and will say, Tony, I wish I could have done better. I said, Mom, you did great. I wish you would have had more. I praise God a thousand times over. Listen to me. I praise God a thousand times over that my mom and dad did not sacrifice in ways to give me stuff and to work harder to give me stuff so they could say that I wanted to give my kids what I didn't have growing up. I'd rather grow up with Jesus. I have no regrets. Of, of the poorness that I had, I have no regrets. Of the things we didn't have, I have no regrets that I wore off-brand tennis shoes and hand-me-down jeans because my mom and dad gave me something that was worth far more than all of that stuff. They gave me an example of what it means to put Jesus Christ first. You have this powerful tool in your life to use every single day to the coworker at work, to your child that's going driving to school with you, to, to, to the people that you don't even think are watching is the power of your influence where the faith, the unfaith, unhypocritical faith that you have is just dwelt. It just is who I am. I'm not great. I'm not perfect. Don't put me on a, don't put me on a platform. Just, just, just let me show you what's in my heart. Let me just live out Jesus. And I promise you, mom and dad, you can change your kids' lives. Now this is Mother's Day. But I know that there's people here today that might not know the God that I talked about. I'm not talking the God of religion. Listen to me. I am not talking about going through the motions of showing up in church and just getting wet in a baptism. I'm talking about it starting with understanding that you're a sinner that needs Jesus Christ. And by the way, I'm not judging you by saying that. I'm just speaking the truth. We all are. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all mess up. We all have sinned. We all 
fall short of God's glory. You know what that means? You can't go to heaven. You say, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. no, 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 no. Just hear me out. Because one day you're going to learn this. And I'd rather you know it here than know it there. You can't get into heaven in the condition that you are right now without God. Because you're lost, you're broken, and you have a sin debt that only hell can pay. But then Jesus came and died on the cross. He stepped into the path and made a way when there was no way. He paid the debt on the cross. That's why we talk about the cross. That's why we point to it all the time. That represented death back then, but today it represents hope. And unless you know the Jesus that died on that cross, unless you know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, there is no way for you to get to heaven. You must repent of your sins. You must ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to save you and to change you. And you must acknowledge that he is the only way to heaven. And I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not trying just to make you feel good. I'm trying to preach to you what the truth is. Because one day, the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day there will be a dividing day. And it won't be between good and bad. It won't be between Catholics and Christians and, and Methodists and all the other things that we try to put labels on. You will either be saved or lost. That is it. Saved or lost if you are saved here today I challenge you with all of my heart to live a life of influence let that unfeigned faith let it be genuine in your life let it be just as real at home as it is when you stand to worship God in church